Welcome, patrons, to Tentpole Triumph, the exclusive patrons-only companion podcast to Tentpole Trauma. Here we discuss movies that defied expectations to succeed at the box office, in many cases becoming cultural phenomena and kickstarting franchises as well as careers. Love them or hate them, these are the films that currently define blockbuster cinema, and we will attempt to view these largely beloved movies honestly through our personal critical lenses. Some of our thoughts may surprise you. Warning. There will be spoilers, so if somehow you have resisted the zeitgeist, you may want to watch the film first before enjoying the podcast. This month, we discuss Avatar. Sebastian and I'm here with Chris. Hey, what's up? And Rodney. Uh, I see you, Sebastian. I left that one for you, Rodney. I left. (laughs) I see you too, Chris. Can you say it in Navi, though? That's the real question. I'm not even going to attempt it for fear of offending someone. That's pretty good. Don't offend any Navi purists. We have regathered the same group who discussed Alita Battle Angel on the maiden feed to discuss avatar for tentpole triumph because avatar the way of water is coming out this month the long-awaited sequel Hell yeah. 13 years in the making we're finally getting it but if you listen at all to the show first of all thank you for being a patron And second of all, you've heard the three of us talk around Avatar a lot. I think we've mentioned (laughs) Avatar in almost every podcast the three of us have done together, at least if it was a sci-fi movie, but we've never actually had it out about Avatar. So (laughs) we're going to do that for you now, our beloved patrons. You know, obviously Avatar... Is directed by James Cameron. Chris, how do you feel about James Cameron movies? I fucking love James Cameron. He's one of my all-time favorite directors. I mean, from Terminator, I remember watching Terminator and Aliens. That's just like the like, unbelievable one-two punch of, of movies. And then immediately after that, you know, starting to get into really following directors. And I remember like, oh my God, he's going to make this movie The Abyss. The guy who made Terminator and freaking aliens abyss is gonna be amazing and so you know i've been with him through thick and thin even when everyone counted him out before titanic i was there opening night i will say you know he's earned my respect and loyalty so even if he makes shitty movies for the rest of his life i'll still probably be there opening weekend seeing those movies he's one of my favorites rodney how about you he's pretty good (laughs) (laughs) hey man come on his dick's still in my mouth so like 
I'll pass it on to you next. I think this is my first time on Temple Triumph. Am I right? This is correct. Yes. Mine too. Oh, is it Chris? I didn't know. All right. Well, yeah. Big. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Avatar demands the biggest. Yeah. I love James Cameron as well. Like, to be fair, I've never seen Piranha 2. I've even seen that. I've also. How is it? It's bad, but not... It's hilarious. It's acceptable. It's okay. like a bad first movie. Yeah, Lance Hendrickson's in it, which and there's some pretty funny incestuous mom and son acting that goes on. That's Get drunk and watch it. I, I will. It's it's weird that I haven't just done that some night, but I will. I thought you were a completist, Rodney. I know, but I guess I'm not. It's not that easy to find. That's the problem with Piranha 2. Yeah. See Xenogenesis, Xenogenesis, whatever. Watch his student film. That's even better. Ooh. Okay. I've never seen that. That I think you can just pull up on YouTube. And when you watch it, you'll be like, oh my God, he is like fully formed even then. You know, it's like there's like a little stop motion mech. And as you watch it, you're like... I see the talent, like, already recommended. He is so good, it's painful. And it's frankly embarrassing for pretty much every other director. Like, there's a handful of other directors, but, like, no one is... Like, to be fair, he does not crank movies out like Steven Spielberg, right? But James Cameron movies are so consistent and are of such a high quality, it's, like, embarrassing. Like, he's so good. Yeah, I mean, I'll third you guys. I am a James Cameron fan. I have been since Aliens. I did see Terminator like on cable when it came out and liked it a lot. And then I remember when Aliens finally got announced. Alien is my favorite movie of all time. So I was super excited for Aliens. Then I remember hearing, oh, it's the guy that did Terminator. And I was like, okay, well, you have my attention. That guy seems like he understands sci-fi horror. And then like me and my buddy went to see Aliens. And I remember like we walked to the movie theater, which was like in the next town, but we were like so stoked to see Aliens and we weren't driving at that point. So like we were like, fuck it. We couldn't get a mom to drive us there. We're like, we're walking to see this nice. movie. We walked there and we both just fucking loved it. I mean, it was like one of those things where you're like, I can't believe somebody made a sequel to my favorite movie and it's yeah. this awesome. Like that, <laughs> you know, rarely happened. It was like Empire Strikes Back and Aliens. And I would argue Temple of Doom, but most people would disagree with me. Right. But anyway, so at that point, like, okay, I know who this guy is and he's awesome. He made Aliens. I did see The Abyss in the theater. I enjoyed it, but not as much as his other movies. Yeah. I weirdly am kind of more lukewarm on Terminator 2 than a lot of people are. What? I will fucking leave this show. I'll fucking walk yeah, right out. Yeah, what? That is, his, that is his best movie. It is might might be the best movie ever made. Yeah, it's fucking offense. Now, now everything you've ever said makes sense. This is ridiculous. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, like, it's not my jam. Even Paul Thomas Anderson was like, Terminator 2 is fucking awesome. I am not disparaging anything about the film in terms of quality on the level of script or acting, anything. As far as a sequel to Terminator, goes it is indisputably an excellent movie it's just one of those things where the ingredients in it don't add up to things that i love personally it's just not to my taste i would say i still like the movie a lot i watch it probably every few years but i'd rather watch aliens than terminator 2 i can't believe people 
are paying to hear your opinions. That's fucking insane. You hear that, Patreon subscribers? Come listen to Pod Forsaken. I like Terminator better than Terminator 2 also. I'll agree with that. I, my problem with Terminator 2 is that I've seen it just so many goddamn times that it, it's almost like I'm beating a dead horse because I've seen it. I know every inch of the movie. I will horrify you even more. I enjoy Terminator 3 more than Terminator 2. That is sheer <laughs> insanity. I mean, what am I supposed to say? Like, that's yeah, that's embarrassing. It's incorrect. It's hard to take you seriously or meet in the middle anywhere now. Yeah, it's like what? you're just announcing that you have bad taste. No, yeah. It's not a better movie. <laughs> I know. I just like Terminator Three. Oh my god! I don't. We can't talk about this. I like Titanic a lot. You know, I definitely Titanic came out at a time when I was not really open to titanic you have to be open to it i did have a huge crush on kate winslet i saw it in the theater and i thought it was amazing but i wasn't like oh that's a movie that i'll want to dig into but i actually have gone back to it um a couple of times and every time i go back to it i'm like no this is a fucking amazing movie yeah it is. It's too bad that the special effects are kind of starting to get a little dated now. I mean, for the time, they were amazing. But if you watch it now, you're like, yeah, that looks like a CG ship. And it's just yeah. not as convincing as it those was. Those CG guys, yeah, crawling up. Not and, the yeah. fault of the movie. That's one of those movies where I would be like, okay, if James Cameron was like, I want to make these effects better. Like, I would be totally cool with it if he did that for Titanic. Yeah, and as long as he didn't change the shots or it just, it's... There's something like upgrading or up-resing the same shot. I don't think that's the same as what George Lucas did with, like, Star Wars. You know what I mean? If you're just adding more detail to a, a, a CG shot that's already there, I feel yeah. like that's cool. Honestly, he doesn't cop to this, but in the new editions of Terminator, he has gone in and, and fixed stuff. He just did it for Avatar. Why wouldn't he do it for Titanic? Well, that's a, there's a remaster. No, I'm saying in Terminator 2, like he's gone in and digitally erased certain like stunt people that are oh, okay. like that you can see in like, yeah, there's a, there's a one scene where I think Arnold's driving backwards and then there's this guy with this like stocking on his head and you can see him just peeking out of, of the car because they reversed the car and he's actually driving the car backwards and in the latest latest editions he's erased the fact that you can see that person so he is quietly going back and and fixing shit like that and it's great because it's like yeah you don't want to see that it's not he didn't change the shot he didn't change anything drastic it's like what ridley scott did with uh blade runner with final cut yes rodney how do you feel about titanic i love titanic i mean i saw that many many times in theaters i don't know like yeah. five five or six times I loved it. Even when I saw the first trailer, I remember even being like, this is the world's longest trailer. I think it's like oh, maybe close to four minutes long, right? But I was like, this movie looks just fucking dope. And then I saw it. I remember being in the theater thinking like, this is a great movie. But once they hit the iceberg, it became like an amazing movie. Like my jaw was just hung open for like an hour and a half straight. Like that movie, because that came out in like what, 98? 97. Yeah. 97, okay. I remember being in high school and I remember there being other people who made fun of it right and throughout my life in, in in college too people would make fun of it and i'd always say like hey motherfucker right like tell you what why don't you make a movie and that movie yeah. not only becomes the highest grossing film of all time but also wins best picture and i believe it actually hold it's tied for the most academy awards ever won with two other films so like fuck off that movie is a masterpiece yeah. and if you don't like it then just fuck off 
that's my feelings on it. Rodney, I agree with you. It is sort of my litmus test about like, are you full of shit or not? And if people are like, that movie sucks and fuck Celine Dion, you're just like, you obviously just can't put yourself into a movie and judge it on its own merits because like, yes, of course, it was a cultural phenomenon and, you know, the Celine Dion song might have tainted its artistic validity, I guess. But, uh, you know, if you sit down and watch that movie, all the people that I know and respect give themselves over to it and admit that it is... Uh, a pretty awesome movie. I'll give the Celine Dion song this much. It's better than the fucking piece of trash that's at the end of Avatar. Like, what the Good fuck God, is that, that bullshit? That is an abomination. <laughs> yeah. One, 100. I, yeah. It's it's not even like a song. I don't even know what it is. Like, I've heard it a bunch of times, and every time it happens, it just like, it literally is being erased as it's going into my ear. Yes. Let's talk about your first experiences with Avatar. Chris, if I'm not mistaken, did you and I see this together? We saw it together at the rave or what is it? The bridge at the time? I forget what it was. The That's uh, right. City IMAX. So there were used to be only two. Well, now there's only one true IMAX in L.A., which is the City Walk. But we went to the other one in Culver City, which I, I don't even know if it's still there. You, me and my brother saw it and we were hyped as hell for it and we both kind of had the same disappointing reaction when we walked out or muddled reaction when we walked out of it well i think we were all blown away by the visuals because how could you Mm -hmm. not be especially at that time and with the 3d and everything but yeah i mean i think we all felt the story wasn't what it could have been and we will get into that but rodney how did you feel about um, avatar when you first saw it and how did you see it? So I also was living in LA. I also saw it at the the CityWalk IMAX. I remember it was. I'm pretty sure it was opening night because I remember I had I had plans to see it with a friend like the following week, and I remember sitting there. It was like ten o'clock, and I was on Fandango, and there was a screening at like ten twenty, and there was like one seat left in like the front row on the far left in IMAX, and I said, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going. And I hopped in my car. When you sit that close to an IMAX screen, it's it's something. You know, you're like you're like leaning back, looking up at it. And in 3D. And in 3D. Yeah. How did your neck survive? You know, you just lean back far enough. It was fine. It's it's fine. But from the second it started, I remember just feeling like I was witnessing something so special. Like like I was just like, I don't even know what's going to happen, but this is going to be dope. And then as the movie went along, I just felt like it kept going places I didn't want it to go and doing things mm. I didn't want it to do. And it's like I was fully engaged, but I just kind of found myself not loving it. Then something would happen and I'd be back in. It kept like losing me and pulling me back in, if that makes sense. So I, I get the feeling of like when I walked out being like, that was definitely a cool movie, but it was not like dope the way T2 was dope or Titanic. Now, Chris, uh, I think you're the only one of the three of us that went to the re-release, correct? No, I went. Oh, you both went. Ooh. Okay. Did you stayed for the new stuff at the at the end, right? I, I did, of course. Well, Chris, you go first. What did you think of the re-release? Well, the remaster was pretty amazing. I feel like the 3D, they've kind of figured out the 3D. You know, it's not dim anymore. And also, I got glasses. So, like, now that I can see everything in crystal clear 4K, I appreciate it even more. It was a different experience. I mean, Avatar is my ultimate love-hate relationship. There's so many things about the movie that I admire and love, like the action and the visuals. And then so many things about the movie that, you know, I facepalm and I'm like, I can't believe they're 
using this dialogue and even the, like the the musical theme shares notes with the Titanic theme. And I feel like he's just kind of coasting on like a Pavlovian response that people have there. It was very interesting to watch the re-release with like, you know, obviously there's like hardcore fans because it was only out for like a, a few weeks. And I went and saw IMAX 3D, of course, and people were eating up what James Cameron was putting was putting on the plate, man. Like, you know, all the dumb Jake Sully jokes that I facepalmed myself over. People were laughing and rolling in the in the aisles, like loving it. And I was like, the people love it. The people love it, man. And so, you know, I wouldn't bet against James Cameron. I feel like I feel like a snob when like watching it and being and judging it so harshly, even though I do want more. And I think James Cameron can do better. Having said that, the end when they show like a taste of things to come and they show the underwater scene for about five minutes of the uh, Rodney, was that the same scene that you saw? Like when they're diving underwater with the other Navi clan? Yeah. It really is just James Cameron's imagination let loose with like almost an unlimited budget. And you're like, wow, this, like Rodney said, this isn't where I would want to go. This isn't the movie that I would spend 13 years working on, but obviously James Cameron did that did and does love this shit so much that the passion and his love for the oceans and the underwater imagery really just comes through. And similar to Titanic, you kind of get swept up in in it and you're like, wow, this is pretty awesome. You know, and like every 30 seconds, you're like, oh my God, look at that thing. Oh my God, look at that thing. Oh my God, look at that thing. I didn't get a sense of what the story might be. It wasn't really about the story. It's more about the visuals. And like you guys said, it's a ride and it's an experience and it's a spectacle. That is what Avatar is in a nutshell, even though I, I believe that we as, you know, people who admire great dialogue and A-plus across the board filmmaking want a little bit more from. How did you feel about the remaster, Rodney? So I have like a dumb question. Was it remastered? Yes, in 4K because in 3D, in the normal one, I think it was like it, each eye gets a little bit of a lower resolution and then so basically, yeah, they remastered the entire movie and up it to, so I think each eye either gets 2K or 4K. So there was a lot more information in, in this version. Okay. I mean, it's like, I can't possibly remember I can't compare it to what it looked like when I saw it in 2000. When, when did Avatar come out? 2009? 2009. Mm-hmm. Right. Jesus. I'm so old. <laughs> and I'm the young one here. <laughs> I wasn't fucking walking to see aliens in the theater, I'll tell you that. Hey, at least I was walking and not driving yet. <laughs> That's valid. Rodney Ubered there. Yeah, I see that comes across like I was actually older and driving. I just meant I was too young to go see aliens in a theater. <laughs> I was, was fucking like five. Look, I've seen Avatar... I, I watch it every couple years, so like seeing it again in IMAX as the re-release or the remaster, it wasn't anything like new. Like I was watching a movie I've seen maybe six times before, but it was great to see it in, in IMAX again, and I, I it kind of remembered why this is so awesome on the big screen. But like I've come to be used to all the problems with it, right? And I kind of am watching it mm. for the parts that I love. Uh, having said that, like it it still looks fucking better than most marvel movies you know what i mean like marvel no offense like they spend a lot of money but like avatar looks so good even 13 years later and again now maybe they they cleaned it up a bit as for the new footage from the way of water i gotta tell you man i am not in like like i'm in i'm gonna go see it i i really hate the title the way of water i hate this the scene they showed of like just like people swimming around like I'm just kind of tired of James Cameron's obsession with water. Look, I, I don't know if either of you went and saw his like 
either of his 3D documentaries about like Aliens in the Deep and I forget what the other one is. I never saw the Titanic one. But it's like, I get it. You love water. Can you just I, – I don't though. Just like fucking chill out. <laughs> and like I know. I know that it's over three hours long and he's just like not telling me the story and there's clips in the trailer of like people fighting. But like I want some fucking action in my Avatar sequel and I know I'm going to get it and that's why I'm going. But he didn't really tease me enough for that. You know what I mean? Having said that, the underwater stuff looks great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of swimming underwater, and I think it's clearly going to all be about uh, Jake Sully's family. Yep. It seems clear to me that like Jake Sully's going to be kind of put a little bit in the back seat, which is fine because let's Thank admit God. it yeah. to ourselves that he's not the strong suit of this franchise. It's like the Avatar family vacation to the Bahamas. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. And, and I assume, I'm guessing that, like, humans come back and they're like, we're going to try to take the planet again. And he's like, we got to reunite and there's going to be fighting. Did you notice that extra little thing that they added when, um, oh, God, who's the main, like, corporate douche douchebag? Giovanni Ribisi. G- when Giovanni Ribisi is leaving, they added this thing in the re-release where he's just like, this ain't over yet, blah 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 And they're like, get on the shuttle. And that wasn't in the original cut. It's definitely not. I just watched it today. That does not happen. In Holy shit. Cut. Because when I saw the re-release, I was like, I don't remember this. That's why. Okay. Yeah, in the original movie, he looks like he's beaten and he's not. He yeah. looks like he feels bad and that he yeah, exactly. feels like he's overstepped yeah. his bounds. So that's a change. Yeah, his character was sort of teetering on the edge, right? Where they were like, oh, you know, he gives them a, sh- a chance. And you thought, oh, maybe they did get through to this corporate guy. But I guess uh, maybe he's going to be evil or he just knows that the corporation's going to want to come back. Well, let's talk about avatar itself and why don't we just kind of dig into the the main sort of issue with the movie okay like that they're all blue well i don't think any of us are going to argue that in terms of world building and spectacle avatar is amazing okay that's the reason why people got obsessed about it and were depressed that they couldn't live in Pandora, which I think is insane because if you actually pay attention to the movie, Pandora is dangerous as fuck. You don't actually want to live there. You will get murdered immediately by a crazy looking animal. Okay. So you don't really want to live there. I mean, jungles are cool. I love jungles, but I'm also smart enough to know I would die being in a jungle for more than three days, probably. So I don't go to them, even though I think they're super cool. <laughs> I love that you've given yourself three days. You'd be dead in like six hours. <laughs> I think I could live for three days and under the right circumstances. We should try um, this, man. Yeah. As long as I was near a body of water, I think I would be able to survive if I was near a body of water. How much money would Patreon subscribers have to give <laughs> yeah. to, to send you to the jungle for three days? What's the number? Tentpole Jungle <laughs> Podcast. You'll, you'll do the podcast in the jungle. Let's do it. <laughs> The challenge has been issued, Patreon subscribers. So, and this is the thing, I want to get this out of the way, just because I'm kind of sick of this whole argument and discussion, but it's the whole, okay, avatars just dances with wolves, or like Fern Gully, if you're even dumber. (laughs) That is kind of the central problem with the story, that the plot is essentially the same white savior plot that we've seen done a million times in a bunch of different movies dances with wolves being the most notable but you know it's in the like last samurai you name it you can go throughout cinema history and you see 
these stories. Last of the Mohicans is another one of these types of stories. And I think the reason why Avatar has struggled with this more than any other movie in history is because, A, it's the most successful movie in history, right? So it's naturally going to be the one everybody kind of turns to. And B, we've sort of entered into a time when this plot is no longer acceptable, basically, right? If you're not Avatar and you make a movie where a white guy goes to an indigenous place and is the best at everything and then leads those people against the, you know, encroaching white people, like you will get crucified by film Twitter and the like. Like you basically can't do this story anymore. And here's what I would like to sort of propose, like a fix for this, right? Since the character of Jake Sully isn't all that exciting anyway, and that Sam Unworthington is <laughs> not a very good actor and certainly didn't set the world on fire post-Avatar, wouldn't it have been smart just to make him black? Like, if he had just cast a black actor, you could have gotten away with this whole thing. I have no comment. Christopher Nolan had to struggle to even get David Washington right in Tenet. Like, he had to, like, get that high up to finally get a movie greenlit. It's like it's very unfortunate, but I know in China, you know, when The Force Awakens posters came out, didn't they put, like, Boyega, like, they yes. took him off? And start, so, like, the world is pretty racist, so, like, this is a very... Hard thing to discuss with three white guys or two and a half white guys on this podcast. Spoiler, Chris, you're not white. Listeners don't know my ethnicity. You don't know I'm a white guy. You sounded just like Jar Jar right there. You're like, <laughs> you don't know me, you white guy? Like, okay. It occurred to me today while watching it, since this is such a big problem. But I think that would have been great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't have a problem with that. You know, I think I think the cliche of the the story in general is my problem but honestly I don't have an issue with it. I don't remember there being a lot of controversy about the specific white savior syndrome of the movie which it's kind of weird cuz he is blue, right? Like and he's like he's technically comes blue. Not when he's not in the avatar right. though. But it's also like I think you can make an argument that it's actually about a guy giving up his like i mean i guess that's what happens in in dances with wolves too right he becomes like moral he becomes like part of the tribe right yeah that's what happens in all of these things what i mean to say is that like the the criticisms at the time that were levied about it were more about the mediocre writing you know what i mean yeah the fact that it kind of felt like a reheated plot and like when i watched it recently my actual thought was there's a certain amount of sprinkling of like this this feeling of like cultural appropriation that's happening yes for sure but it's also like i don't know like they're like a fictional race they are but they're so clearly drawn from yeah. different indigenous races like yes. yeah i get it they're blue but they like do that like war cry that you hear yeah. from african tribes and like they there's so much drawn on from different indigenous races that we know of in this world that I don't think that cuts it to be like, yeah, but they're blue. That's like saying like Wado isn't an offensive, you know, Middle Eastern stereotype because he's technically a flying alien. Like, no, there's clearly 
you know, elements drawn from other races and stuff and put into the characters. Is it bad that he's my favorite part of the Phantom Menace? Mato's awesome. I, okay, yeah. thank you. No, you can love whatever you want. <laughs> Sir Bulba always wins. Mind tricks to do the work on me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I like, look, Avatar has some of these issues, but I don't like, I'm not the expert to weigh in on this, but like, I don't feel like they're that big of a deal. I just don't. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's more just feels like James Cameron lazily borrowed from a bunch of shit, you know? I don't know. If this if Avatar offends you, I feel like you're just easily offended. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't find anything actually offensive in the movie other than the writing and, and the acting. Because, <laughs> like, you can't get away from the, like, the native tribe stuff. Like, he set that up in part one. So when part two comes out, like what 10 days from now right that's all gonna be there so i'm curious if people are gonna get all upset about it i've heard people complain that he's got the you know jake sully of course now has dreads and so everyone's like rolling their eyes about that and i'm like i i just feel like yeah how do we address this when we're not the offended party that's the thing so to speak so like you know i can't really say how anybody else feels about it i can only comment about how i feel and like yeah i was also too more worried about the cliched writing but sebastian to your point i i agree that i guess if you cast an african-american in the lead role and also someone more charismatic than unworthington it would have fixed a lot of the problems for me. And also the white savior thing is like, yeah, it may be also if he wasn't the savior of the tribe, but also maybe just joined the tribe and then told them how to fight the sky people. And then somebody else was able to like rise above and be the leader and, you know, from the native tribe or something like that. And then got the Turok Makto or whatever. <laughs> I love that you say it with the accent. You fucking nerd. That is respect. That is some avatar respect right there. Let me ask you guys this because um, I, you know, watched the movie again today. I don't know. It's probably my fifth time watching it. I would like to say that I did enjoy watching it. You know, I just gave myself over to the experience and had a good time. That's what I did on my wedding night. You were also painted blue. A uh, little known fact. Did you do your vows in Navi? We did them both in English and Navi to not offend anyone. I got to say to like Rodney's point about how, you know, the special effects and stuff hold up. There are moments that, you know, seem sort of typical CG character stuff in the movie looking back on it now. But there are some moments that still look better than any CG like character work that has been done yeah. like, to this day. You know, some of the shots of Natiri, especially, like she looks really, really good. Jake doesn't look that good. He looks like a CG Thundercat, blue Thundercat character. He doesn't look good. It's funny how certain faces lend themselves to the Navi look. Well, like, you know who doesn't? Sigourney Weaver. Like, yes. man, she looks terrible as a Navi. Well, they didn't change her nose. Yeah, the nose is is more like Sigourney. So you're just like, hmm, you know. But um, Natiri is definitely the standout accomplishment of avatar visually yeah she looks great and especially at the end when she's got that war paint on that like neon war paint like the character stuff on that looks just excellent still to this day so i am excited for the new movie to see how far he's gone with that you know i've seen the trailers and they look good but i'm sure it'll be a different thing in the theater it will like so let's talk about navi how do you feel about them i think they look lame (laughs) 
<laughs> there's something about James Cameron. I feel like when he plunders his, you know, the Abyss and Avatar were both things that he developed when he was in high school. I think he, he said like he wrote like a treatment for the Abyss in high school and he had a dream when he was, I think, 16 or maybe even younger where he dreamt of, you know, the Navi and then made a little sketch of it. And I'm like, yeah, maybe pull from when you were a little bit more mature, James, because like both those movies, I think, have problems. And so, again, like Rodney's saying, you know, it's just like uh, blue skinny people are isn't my jam. It's not what I would put on screen, but, you know, he obviously does. And so kudos to him for ma- sort of making it work. But like the design doesn't get me excited. It is kind of cool to see them next to humans. Like there's one scene in the giant battle at the end where one of the guys jumps in the cargo um, bay of a ship and then starts just wailing on humans that are like, you know, half his size. That is cool, you know. But um, for the most part, you know, just like seeing the Navi, they, they kind of look like gangly, awkward teenagers. Rodney, how do you feel about the Navi from a design point? I remember when I was in, in film school, one of my teachers told me about this James Cameron movie that he was working on. And he said, it's about like these like humans who go to another planet and they have to like send their consciousness into these aliens and like live in their body or whatever. And I remember picturing my mind what that would look like. Rodney, how old are you? Are you 12? (laughs) It's not important. Not important how old I am. That would have been like, I don't know, like 2002 or 2003 when I would have heard that story. So, you know, like five years prior or six years prior to Avatar coming out. I don't know. Clearly it had been announced back then. Like, I, I'm not making up the story. Wait, what is that? You're saying it makes me seem old or young? Very young. I'm way younger than you guys. Yeah. I'm 41. I'm, I'm a fresh 41. I just turned 41. You guys are like, what, 63 and 65? Finish the story, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought that was cool. And then when I saw the movie, I remember thinking, oh, this is not what I pictured at all. And I don't care for this. It's not the blue. It's just that they, like, are basically, they kind of look like humans. Like, they stand on two legs, they got arms, you know, like, I agree. I think it's cool that they're way taller than humans, but I just, it is what it is. They're weird, gangly blue creatures, and, like, that's what I'm going to get for the next two movies. So, like, I'll, I'll take it. I've grown used to it, but I don't love the design of the Navi. I just don't. I do love their tail thing, like, the thing that connects to, which we can talk about. Like, I like that. I think that's a cool concept, but the visual look... I would love to like sort through the papers of that the like the art team did and just like see what the other options were. I know why you like the tail thing, Rodney. <laughs> I think it's it's not a secret. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really like the design of the Navi, but I was kind of struggling with it on this watch because while I was watching it, I'm like, okay, so I don't really like the design of the Navi, and I've never really liked it. But what would I do differently? And I couldn't really come up with anything that concrete other than I would probably make them a little less skinny. I would probably not make them bright blue. And I would probably get rid of like the cat nose thing just because it's two Thundercats for me. I know I keep saying Thundercats and that's lame. But they really do make me think of the Thundercats. Uh, Yeah. Jen is really struggling because I want to see Avatar Way of Water, and she is going to see the movie with me, but she will not watch Avatar because she does not like the Na'vi. 
And I'm like, you have to watch Avatar. She's never seen Avatar? Go see it by yourself. That's what I was saying to her. Forget it. I'm like, I'll go alone. And she's like, no, I want to go with you. Well, then you have to watch Avatar. Why is she not here? I want to fucking yell at her to her face. All right. She won't watch the movie. She can't discuss it with you because she will not watch it. very weird. For 13 years, she has has had no interest in watching the world. She hates the Navi so much that she will not watch the movie and she is begrudgingly accepting that she needs to watch the movie before she goes to see this new movie with me my point is that's how averse some people are to the look of the navi it's so bad that they will not watch the movie because they're like i don't want to watch those blue people but i mean i don't know if she is aware but they're gonna be in part two (laughs) like there's gonna be a lot of blue people But Sebastian, I will say to your point about like, oh, what would I do different? Thundercats aside, Avatar is pretty unique as far as like, you know, just like, oh, these blue people on this other planet. And, you know, it's like when when we watched Alita, you're always like, oh, that's from this. That's from this. That's from this. And then, oh, that's been done better over here. That spider tank is, is better in Ghost in the Shell. Whereas Avatar, you're not, I'm not constantly, the only other thing I compare it to is Aliens, where you're like, oh, that's because it's James Cameron. So... Uh, you know, I, I'll give him uh, props to James Cameron for, you know, writing uh, an original, well, semi, not plotted original, but, um, you know, coming up with this original um, IP, so to speak, and, you know, doing his own thing. And, like, he just doesn't give a shit and is just going to, like, you know, I see blue people and he puts it out there and they're the most realistic blue people you've ever seen. So even though, like, nobody wants it, you're kind of like, cool, you made that. Oh, let me make something clear. In my mind, James Cameron is like a god because he created his own sci-fi IP. Like he is the only one powerful enough in this universe, aside from George Lucas, who did it back in the 70s. James Cameron is the only person powerful enough to will something this bonkers into existence. And I will celebrate that every day of my life. And the fact that this didn't come from anywhere, not a book, not a comic, not anything anywhere but his imagination like i will celebrate him forever for this and i'm so grateful that he has made this movie with all my problems that i have with it and i've always said this like anybody who can pull this kind of shit off and make it successful like has my undying respect forever and ever like to me this is the greatest thing you can fucking do is something like this aside from maybe making a masterpiece of an album like making something like this that's the highest form in my mind of of art which you know people might think i'm crazy for saying in a way i'm sort of glad that i don't love everything about avatar because if i did i personally wouldn't need to ever create anything because i'd be like well james cameron made avatar so what do i have to give the world nothing he made the most perfect thing you can make so i ain't got shit so I kind of like that I don't love everything about Avatar. There's room for somebody else to do something great along these lines. It'll probably never happen, but it's not the ultimate thing. It'd probably be depressing if we, if it was that good, right? Right. Yeah. If, it, if it was like, you know, better like than Star left. Wars, you know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, well... I guess culture is over now. We can just close right. everything down. If Avatar was somehow as good as Aliens, then like right. that would be kind of it, I feel like, for me. Like, 
I frequently have to remind myself, like I play a game and I think like, what if I could make the exact movie I wanted to make? Like a movie that was like T2 meets the Matrix and everything in it looked exactly as I wanted. And I got to, to a point where I watched and I said, it's perfect. It's exactly what I want. The whole rest of the world has opinions and they would say, I hate the way that guy looks. I'd hate the way the robot looks, right? Like yeah. it's impossible to to agree on the, the look of someone's what someone else thinks is awesome in their mind, right? Yeah, because he just said he hates T2. So what the fuck, man? I don't like, hate T2. If you don't love it, you hate it. <laughs> he just finds it not as good as, you know, Terminator 3, you know, like the really yeah. good one that everyone loves. <laughs> Excellent film. Oh my God. I'm going to get, I'm going to get like between this and the fact that your wife hasn't seen Avatar, I'm just, I'm just getting don't upset. Don't me for that. It's your responsibility to sit her down and make her watch it. All right. Uh, let me bring up a point about just the, the cliched nature of the story. I do give James Cameron like some leeway with this because he was testing out 3D. This opened the floodgates for 3D, right? Nobody had ever really done it before. A major motion picture, three hours long. Everyone's going to sit there and like movie theaters are going to have to get projectors. They're going to have to do all this stuff. It was such a big gamble that he's like, you know what? I'm not going to reinvent the wheel with the story. Let's just right. pick dances with wolves. Let's do something. Let's let's have a drive shaft that will make the car run because the car is going to be so futuristic and it's going to be electric. I'm not going to change the wheel on this one. So I give him that. It's kind of the same thing with The Force Awakens where it's like, you know what? We need to cleanse the palate. They need just to make a good Star Wars. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just give me good characters and give me the Star Wars flavor that I've always wanted. Now that we're past that, I am really expecting something else for Way of Water. I want to be surprised. I don't want this cliched shit anymore, and I'm hoping we get it. But I will give him a pass with as far as that sort of cliched, you know, plot structure. Like, because he was already lifting so much with with the 3D. He's the same man who wrote Alita like four years ago. That worries me exactly. I'm like, oh my god. And the last Terminator movie, he also wrote that. I forgot he wrote it. I thought he just produced it. Well, that, it. that that killed. He killed Eddie Furlong in that. That was good. I know it's unwise to bet against him, but if you were to bet against him, now wouldn't be the worst time because right. there's some weaknesses there. But I do agree with you, Chris, that it was smart of him to stick to a really simple tried and true story. Like if you ever look into writing like sci-fi or fantasy novels, the successful writers will always tell you the same thing. And that is just they're like, you want to know how to figure this shit out the easiest way? Pick a story that you like that isn't in the genre and then do a version of that, but make it sci-fi or fantasy. Just follow some other story template so you're not worrying about that and you can like world build and do that other shit. Right. And so that's exactly what he was doing. He knew he had to do so much world building and so much special effects and everything that he was like, I'm not going to try to like reinvent the wheel story wise here. I'm going to use something that I know will work. And he was right. It did work. Like when I look at this movie, I may have qualms and criticisms of it that are personal to me, but like yeah. you can't argue with the success of it. Like clearly right. he did the right thing, you know, like I think that even extends to the Navi. It's like, even though I don't like the design of them, it was a smart design because 
you know, they aren't too human that you have the uncanny valley effect. They're just different enough. They have sort of like some animal features that are sort of cute that make you think of like a cat or a dog. And we love cats or dogs. Like if you were like, I'm going to make them all look like octopuses, people <laughs> probably wouldn't feel as right. warm and fuzzy to them. You know, yeah. they've got tails. I can look at it objectively and say, I see why they went with this. Yeah. In a way, they still look like people, so we're able to like still stick with the movie and see ourselves in them. Yeah, I, yes. I get it. I get it. I just would love to have seen a like just some tweaks. I would have just tweaked a few things. It's not offensive or anything, but like we all can remember the movie came out. And there were a lot of jokes like on you know the internet, Saturday Night Live about oh, Smurfs, the... whatever you name right. it. But like it, it is what it is. It's it's like it's not a big deal, and they they, they are they're cool in some ways and. I just wish they looked a little different, just a little bit. I'll say the one thing that's indefensible is some of the dialogue. I mean, like, especially, you know, when, let's say, Michelle Rodriguez decides to, you know, not join the fight, and she's like, I didn't sign up for this shit. I'm like, do you really, are you allowed to say that in movies anymore? You know, I mean, like, the fact that the dialogue was that cliched, I'm like, James, you can just get somebody who knows this shit and write cooler dialogue. And, like, my theory is that, you know, James Cameron was always, like, he used to be a truck driver. And so, like, he was hanging out with these people who are, like, you know, a little bit more truck drivery and had, like, you know, a little bit tougher dialogue. So the dialogue in Terminator and maybe Aliens were a little was a little bit tougher. Now he's probably, going like, hanging out with a lot of VFX people. He's probably hanging out with a lot of scientists when he goes on these like excursions. So extremely nerdy, uncool people that he's surrounding himself with and he'll make a joke and they're like, James, you're hilarious. You're really funny, you know? And then he's like, shit, the shit works. And the thing that bugs me the most is that like I was in that theater with the Avatar re-release and people are still laughing at the bad jokes. And I'm like, what? Am I taking crazy pills here? Can't we just like, you know, what's going on here? Let's get some better dialogue, James. And uh, it really kills me, man. It kills me. It's not literally dad jokes, but it comes from the same place that dad jokes come from. You know what yes. I mean? Like this kind of yes. like, I'm cool with the young people, right? Yeah. And it just feels corny. Uh, poor Stephen Lang gets the worst of it. He gets oh, the worst God. lines. If you were to go to have drinks with James Cameron, I can't imagine he'd have you in stitches, right? I think he'd be interesting and you'd, it'd be a great night. Aliens is one of the funniest movies I think that's ever been made. Like Hudson is hilarious. Some of the lines in there are really, really funny. I mean, but some you can see the beginnings of the things that are bad in, in Avatar's dialogue in Aliens. Horny. That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. And you're right. I feel like Stephen Stephen Lang, it's like, this is one of the big issues I have with the movie. I mean, again, it's kind of like all the characters. I actually find almost every character in Avatar annoying. Sigourney's terrible. Yeah. Like yeah. With the exception of, I'm sorry, I've, I've forgotten the, 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 the lead actress, uh, Zoe Saldana. Natiri. Yeah. Natiri, Natiri. I think she is fantastic. Like, she probably should have been yes. nominated for an Oscar. She's great. But, man, it just feels like everybody else was miscast. Like... I think Stephen Lang is a mediocre villain. He's got a couple cool parts. But no, Sigourney Weaver, I love Sigourney Weaver. It was great to see yeah. her again. Like, I wish she was in more things. I don't even know why she isn't. But she just feels a little out, like a little out of place, especially when she's in her avatar, right? Man, I, I don't like the guy who plays, like, nerdy scientist whose name I can't think of. 
Joel David Moore. Yep, wrong movie. He's in the wrong he movie. He disappeared after the Avatar came out. When I saw him, I'm like, oh, this guy will show up in a lot of stuff now. Nope. Art School Confidential. <laughs> I assume he's in Avatar, too. It was weird the way this movie did not make stars out of a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, it's like right. the biggest yeah. movie ever yet. Uh, Sam Unworthington was not made a big star. That guy, Joel David Moore, not a big star. The Indian guy who um, it was in a bunch of movies around this time, he's yeah. Dilip Rao, who's also in Drag Me to Hell. I was yeah. like, and he's in um, Inception. I was like, I bet we'll be seeing more of him. Nope. After Inception, he disappears. I forgot he's in. I forgot. I like erased that part from my mind. That guy. There's now a younger, skinnier uh, Indian actor who's who's making the rounds that totally is getting all his roles. The guy that was in Station Eleven. You know, oh, he's yeah. skinnier and younger. So that that poor guy. Yeah, should have done more, but. Here, here's another point though. Is like some of the, it, it's a lot of it is just the writing. I mean, what's Sigourney supposed to do? Where she gets this seems so dad jokey to me, or dad try hard cool, where Sigourney gets out of her thing and goes, "Where's my cigarette, guys?" It's like really, this is how you make this scientist edgy by like, oh, she smokes, and it's just like, oh, God, come on, dude. Like it's yeah, it's weak. You know, it seems out of touch to me. It obviously hits with mom and pa in Oklahoma, but it it really is not. Good. And I, I won't blame any of the actors because Sigourney Weaver is a great actor. She's been in tons of good stuff and, and all the other actors have been good. And I don't know if it's who else could have been cast. I think they're all doing exactly what they're been hired to do. I mean, right. I, I don't even really think Sam Worthington is bad in the movie. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's just not very charismatic naturally. Yeah. Yes. That's the problem. Right. It's not his line delivery or anything like that. He just doesn't have a lot of charisma. I don't know who his agent was in that time, but like the dude just had a good agent or something and it's no slam on him. I've actually seen him in some stuff recently where he's actually pretty he's good. Be good. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just not a leading man. He doesn't have that charisma. But for some reason, Hollywood was convinced that he would be a leading man. Facially, I mean, he's good looking enough for sure. I mean, he's hunky. It's the eyes. He doesn't have it in the eyes. His eyes look kind of dead. Like he looks like he's a CG character when he's just <laughs> normal. <laughs> You know, like you're like, hey, is he computer generated? Oh no, no, that's that's him in real life. And also, like the the character of Jake Sully is a dumb jarhead jock, and we're supposed to like him. Like I, I don't find anything about Jake Sully other than the fact that he finally joins the Navi and does the right thing very likable at all. So like I feel like the writing of the character there's a lot for the for the main actor to overcome. I'm like, I don't get it. Why? I mean, maybe it is hitting with other people who are just like, yeah, I do, you know, I have a dumb friend like that and I love him too. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I, I don't want my lead guy to be dumb. There's two things that the movie for me does not do very well. And I do feel like in one case, it's a little bit on um, Sam Worthington. One is I don't feel like they sell me that well on why Jake totally is brought fully over to the Navi. And secondly, I really don't buy that the Navi accept him as one of right. them. Like, yeah. why the fuck would they accept him? She's like, don't, don't step on that bush. And he steps on it repeatedly. I'm like, just shoot him in the face. Well, He's a dumb I, look, fuck. I don't care if he can ride the coolest fucking dragon in town. He's still a dude who's a regular yeah. guy being ported into his body. Like 
the guy in the tribe who's like his main rival is right. He's like, he's just like a ghost in a shell or whatever. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you don't get to be one of us. You're not really one of us. I don't care how well you do things. Like, you just wouldn't accept that. No, but that's that's a testament to the Na'vi, how accepting they are. I think the issue is, like, Natiri does plan on killing him, right? Like, she's going to shoot him. And then, like, that, like, floating... Whatever. Right, Awa. While just like her asshole boyfriend speaks up, I do feel like it's pretty clear that they're like, he's not one of us, but like Awa has said we have to roll with him, right? Right. I buy that. And like, I, I think one of the best parts of this movie is like the training sequence, which goes on for a while where he's like training with Natiri. And it's like, I get the sense that he's like a bumbling idiot, but he's like learning, you know? And it's like, they're doing it because, like, the goddess of the planet, like, basically told them to. Like, I, I have sure. no problem with that. I'll tell you what I have a problem with, which I think you're touching upon, or maybe, maybe we're saying different things, but I feel like his motivation for the first, like, third of the movie is really muddy. Yes. The movie opens. Like, I know there's an extended edition, which I've seen, which has a little bit more time on Earth. Yeah, I've seen it, too. I mean, I hate his narration. And then he's just like, uh, like, you know, my brother died and it sucked and they they gave me an offer. And I said, sure. And, like... His entire character is basically like a guy who's like, why not? I got nothing else going on, right? <laughs> it really hit me this in my most recent viewing. This movie would work. It would be stronger. Again, who am I to tell James Cameron what to do? He won. He made the biggest movie ever. But if like in the beginning of the movie, they came to him and they said, we want you to fill in for your brother. And he said, fuck off. And they said, we'll give you your legs back, Right. Yeah. We'll give you that operation if you help us fuck over the Navi. Right. Right? If he came into the movie with an attitude of, like, I'm here to be an asshole and to get, like, a selfish asshole. I'm doing this for my legs. Yeah. Then his journey would be much more powerful. But instead. So much better. He's just like, sure, I got nothing else going on. And then once he's there. He's aimless. Yeah. The bad guy is like, if you help me out. I'll get you your legs. And once again, he goes, all right, sure. Why not? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. yeah, it's true. It, it just doesn't make for a great, compelling story, which is why he feels boring for the first half, because you don't really feel strongly for him in either direction. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, it's one of those cases where like James Cameron is so smart that I can't imagine that didn't occur to him. And obviously it did occur to him because he has the Stephen Lang character literally say that to yep. the character, as you pointed out, but it's later in the movie. It's more of like an upping the stakes moment. I think it's probably because he wanted you to like Jake Sully. And if you started off the movie where he's that self-centered, some people maybe wouldn't have been on board with him, but he just sacrifices that for him being boring. To people like us, we'd rather see somebody be a fucking asshole. Right, and then develop and change. Yeah. But like Joe uh, Sixpack, my fictional um, moviegoer who's uh, a you know, Midwesterner or whatever, maybe they wouldn't like him if he started off as an asshole. And that's why Dances with Wolves won Best Picture and Avatar did not, right? Because if I recall, Kevin Costner is a racist asshole who hates the Native Americans. Right. Who is this person who goes to the movie, and the movie starts, and after 10 minutes they go, we're out of here, Shelly, I hate this character, right? <laughs> You're there. You're going to sit through the movie. Like, that's what makes a journey, is the journey from right. asshole to good person. That's what makes it powerful. They, they give a little bit of lip service to, like, a save the cat moment where he's in the bar and some dickhead is, like, beating his woman, and then he, you yes. know... That's in the extended cut. Yeah, hit him over, you know, and defend the woman or something like that. But it's, yeah, his character is 
not really well developed. And honestly, watching it a new the second time, I, I'm wondering if there is an overarching plot with you know because they're like, oh, they just killed him for the paper in his wallet, and I'm like, oh, maybe it was the company that said, hey, maybe we need uh, we kill the scientist and get a jarhead in there. Like, there's an overarching villain plot there and that the reason he was put there in the first place was not just some random occurrence anyway well let's talk a little bit about the stuff that we really like about avatar and i will start with this um i do love the world building as i've mentioned landscapes the floating mountains are super cool i love all the different animals but i think the thing that will make avatar for me a movie that i will always revisit no matter how long time goes on is that i love people flying fucking creatures okay and this is the most flyingest creature movie of all time like yeah. you know it's not something that we haven't seen before you know we've got uh, game of thrones people flying dragons and people flying creatures and other things but man this is like the movie if you like to see yeah. people flying on creatures. And the 3D helps. Yeah, in, in 3D. I mean, that gives you the perspective. When he gets on that banshee and is flying around, I'm loving it. I love that shit. Agreed. Yeah, the part where he has to tackle the whatever. Is, that, is it called a banshee? I don't know what it's called. The, the dragon thing. And then like he jumps off the cliff. It's, it's amazing. It's like, yeah, that's why you're there. And it's like... That shit's so good that it just makes up for all the other stuff. And I love that they use those uh, banshees to fight the flying, you know, human vehicles and stuff. Like, I love the use of animals versus machines. Like, all that stuff is right in my wheelhouse. It is a little bit hard to get through the plot stuff, honestly. And, like, you know, as Chris would probably uh, support, like, I'm not maybe the most spiritual guy in the world. Like, I kind of find a lot of spiritualism to be hokey. And there's a lot of it in this movie. You know, like, first of all, there's too many goddamn trees where they hang out like i always forget like there's home tree right where they all live but then there's also the tree of souls so it's right. like it seems kind of lazy that like the plot revolves around two trees being destroyed like one tree that gets destroyed is the lowest moment in the movie where all seems lost but then they've got to protect the other tree that's got all the souls and of people in them and stuff. And uh, it's a lot of trees and a lot of, you know, listening to the trees and shit. Wow. You love that shit, don't yeah, you? Yeah, of course I love that shit. I think that's one of them things I admire about it the most is that, yeah, you're going to have this huge movie that's going to go across the world and then at least have a, a decent message. You know, I grew up in the 80s when all the movies like had actual like moral messages. And I think this is a good one. So like. Kudos to him for for doing that, Ling. And like, we should protect the fucking environment and plug our ponytails into trees, man. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not talking about protecting the environment. I'm talking about like spirits are in the trees. No, you hate the environment. You got your <laughs> gas guzzler. You're like, man, flamethrower the fucking trees, man. You're you're cheering for those guys. Man. I do think it's fun to watch Avatar and take the side of. The, it is. The it humans. is right when they start blowing them away. You're like, yeah, kill those blue guys. It's kind of awesome. It is kind of awesome. 
honestly. I've been in that frame of mind. Yeah. You owe it to yourself to watch Avatar at least once being on the side of Quaritch and the, cheering for the humans and wanting him to get that on untanium. There's the one it. part where he says, he's like, we're going to blow a crater in their racial memory. And then the guy's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, whoa, dude. You know who's the unsung hero of Avatar? That big, bald meathead that I don't yeah, think he like says like a single word, but I always forget about him. And that's like, he's in a lot of the movie. Yeah. yeah. He's got a good death. He's got that's a good like, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get some, get some. Yeah, like, Can I tell you? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna push my glasses up. There's one thing that, like, really just like it's like a the, the tiniest nitpick that I just want to bring up since we're here. He says at the beginning that like it takes like six years of like travel and cryo sleep or whatever, right? And then like he gets there, and then Sigourney Weaver's like. She's like smoking her cigarette. She's all pissed about like the the scientist, right? That's or you know the the, the jarhead that's like come. Yeah, she should be well adjusted to this. That's fact. what I'm saying. It's like it's been it's, six yeah. fucking years. Yeah. <laughs> like they definitely briefed her on the fact that he's coming, right? You've had six years to get over this, Gordy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, and I also wish that they had come up with something better than unobtainium. I know it's like a real thing or whatever, but like unobtainium. It's a real thing? What are you talking about? Well, the thing I heard that was that he had like a technical term for it. And then he was basically saying like, oh, the slang term that everyone used in the world of Avatar was we'd call it unobtainium. But like the real technical thing is you know, magnesium sulfite, blah, 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 or something like that. And right, then right, right. He never explained that, so everyone's just, like, kind of rolling their eyes because it is ridiculous, but, like, I can't really defend it. From the from the second I saw it, back in 2009, was it? I never once thought that the actual textbook calls it unobtainium. I assumed right, it's called, like, right. TRX-37 or something, right? I think the term unobtainium is clever. But it's really, it's so important that you have the line in the movie where Giovanni Ribisi explains its slang term is unobtainium. And when I saw the extended cut, I thought that would be in there, but it wasn't. He does explain right. a bit more about why, like, why it's important and valuable. But I think it's a major misstep because it's like the number one thing my wife won't stop harping about. Like every time we talk about <laughs> Avatar, unobtainium is so stupid. And Jen's going to love it too. And yeah. and like for for 13 years, people have make, been making fun of unobtainium and one fucking line would have just made it go away, right? Yeah. But having said that, I think, I mean, come on, unobtainium is, it's a funny dad joke. It falls into that dad joke shit, right? It's another dad joke. It's just right. weird to watch all these fucking adults like going to war talking about unobtainium, you know? There's just like shit that was cut that just feels like, I mean, I guess he does say even in the theatrical cut, this is very valuable. It's worth like a million dollars or whatever. I get Pays it. for the whole show. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> whatever. It, that's clearly not what it's actually called. You know, do you feel that the extended version is better? I don't think so. No, I mean, it's not worse. I think it's just kind of like, I think it just has some extra shit in it. Sometimes extended versions are worse, though. I wouldn't say it's worse. It's just a little bit more tedious. You know, there's a lot about, like, Grace's school and how they tried to, like, help the Navi out by giving them education that they didn't want. And so it's a little bit, you know, I don't think they needed it. I do think there is one thing in the extended cut that is an actual sin that it is not in the theatrical cut. I think it is a fucking huge misstep. Again, James Cameron can tell me to fuck off because he, he obviously is right. But it is the scene where Jake and Natiri make love, and the fact that they don't show their, like, tendrils entwine. Like, that seems like 
I don't even know why that wouldn't be in the movie. Did they think it was too risque that people would see it as penetration? Or people going to start jacking off in the theater? Like, well, I was, but... Or is the implication that if they show that, then it's like Jake's like fucking that horse and he's fucking his dragon? Is that like, I don't know. It does raise a lot of questions. You put your penis in the horse to make it go. Again, I can so clearly remember sitting there 13 years ago watching that scene and like they're, they're like getting in close and the music's swelling and you're like... This is where they join together. And then it cuts away. I was like, what the actual fuck is happening? Rodney, I'm sure there's a porn you can watch. <laughs> I'm not wrong, right? In the extended cut, they show that happening. Yes, it's in the extended and not in the theatrical, right. for sure. And I don't know. It just, it it rubs me the wrong way in multiple ways. It's like, I think it's important for the story. Where does it rub you, Rodney? <laughs> it, well, in the extended cut, it rubs me the right way. Let me put it that way. I don't know. Maybe on the, I, it's weird because no one else ever seems to care about this or bring it up. I don't know why it bothers. It's just like they make such a point about how they can like mind meld with their their creatures. Obviously, they do it with each other, but like to not have it in the movie, just I don't know. It just I don't like it. I don't like it. I think it's what Chris is saying. It's like they do that with animals, too. So the logical extension of thought is like, oh, they're fucking the animals. I want in the way of water. There better be a scene where there's like a Navi orgy and they're all going around like. Just sticking each other's, like, uh, yeah, what are they called? Like, tails, antenna, cords? I want half the runtime to be that. <laughs> but then when you do that, you're mated with the person for life. Like, I don't think casual sex is a thing in the Navi culture. I don't think it applies to the horses and the... I want to be the guy at the orgy that goes, make the bond! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> now make the bond with him and her and her. Make the bond again! Um, I don't know. It's just It's just a thing that I think if anyone listening... Is, was like me and was like, I feel like there's something missing from my life because I didn't get to see them to have real Navi sex. You can go get the extended cut. Did we really talk about, I mean, did we talk about Stephen Lang? Uh, uh, like, do you guys like him? Do you feel like he's a good villain? I mean, you know, I wish he was Michael Bean, who was originally going to be in the role. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Uh, or he was looked at for the role, which you would have thought he would have been natural for it, considering he'd worked with Cameron so many times. I think for the role that he's given, he does a good job. He brings a certain amount of personality to it. I mean, it's kind of a poorly written character. I think the problem is, it's just he's an uninteresting villain. I mean, you've got an uninteresting protagonist and an uninteresting villain. Yeah. How great can your movie be when you've kind of got two duds yeah. as your primary protagonist and antagonist and they make sense in the context of the film like i'm mean, it's not like oh this doesn't make any sense like yeah this kind of should be the villain this military douchebag but right. it's just not going to be a very exciting villain and i mean they're bringing him back for the sequel so yeah. if you didn't like him and this like settle in now he's a navi sorry spoiler he's way over the top and cliched but for some reason it kind of it doesn't bother me out of all the things in Avatar, I feel like I can swing him. I like the fact that he's like older and buff and tan, and I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, you know, like 70 year old, 60 year old, tough bad guy who can still kick some ass. I'm like, that's kind of cool. The one thing I really like about him in a, on a character level is that scene where he's talking to Jake and he's talking about his scarred face and yes. he's like, I kind of like it. It keeps me on mm -hmm. my toes or whatever. It reminds me not to be complacent and stuff. And I'm like, that's a cool little bit of character design that he's like, 
proud of his scars and his scars are cool and it looks like he really got raked by some sort of creature yeah. so is he one of the greatest cinematic villains of all time fuck no you know what his best moment is when he's like he just busts out into the Navi- into the pandora atmosphere and he's shooting the helicopter oh, and yeah. leaving yeah and he's just like doesn't give a fuck and the guy's like sir sir and he's like yeah I guess I need to breathe. Not only that, he like opens the door and it takes the air out of the whole room. And he's like, masks. Yeah. yeah. Just tells people <laughs> to put on their masks. That's pretty awesome. Like, come on. Like, yeah. And he kills Sigourney Weaver with yeah, those yeah. shots. So he's a badass, like, but he's just not very interesting. Yeah. Like, and he never has a moment where he's questioning his own motives or anything. He's always believes 100% in his objectively evil cause this movie is very two-dimensional like in terms of all the characters they're all two-dimensional like they have two dimensions they're not (laughs) one dimensional it's a 3d movie with 2d people characters and that's pretty much across the board other than i would say maybe uh natiri you know what i mean natiri feels like almost a fully fleshed character (laughs) but everybody else is like okay i get who this is but I don't believe that they walk off the screen and have a life. They feel very designed for this particular movie. You know what I mean? Like, I don't believe any of these people have an exterior life at all. They only exist to serve the plot of this movie. And I think that's the problem. To your point, the thing with Sigourney Weaver in the beginning, like, she should fucking know that this guy is coming. If she was a real person, she would have been briefed. You know what I mean? Like, a real person would be like, oh, you're the guy that they replaced with like yeah i'm not happy about it but this is what we got so let's make do like she would have adjusted to this by now but because these characters are designed specifically for this movie in this moment they don't feel like they have lives outside of it you could level the same criticism at the characters in aliens a lot of those you know marines are pretty one-dimensional but why do they work because they're more fun yeah but also Ellen Ripley feels like a fleshed out character. Like, I feel like she's a real person. Of course. Yeah. Well, but she's also getting the benefit of Alien, right? And Alien is a perfect example of characters that feel like real people. Like so much to the point where you're like, I I don't even believe these people are in a horror movie. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing is that like, yeah, Stephen, it's like, I feel like if you were to follow him to scenes that like are not important in the movie, he'd be in the cafeteria and he'd be like, let me get that apple pie. Give me that apple pie. Cause I like that. And give me the macaroni and cheese, you know? And then he'd be like, you go to the bathroom and be like, taking a big old shit. It's what I like to do. And I'd be like, Oh my God. How about just like, like dude, do you ever like read a book or anything or yeah. Right. Kind of chill. And like Sigourney Weaver is just like constantly frustrated. It just feels like, yeah, they, they only have one. There's just one setting for each character. Right. Yeah. And like, that is, you know, when you have more than one setting, it's a thing called subtlety, which tends to make a better character, right? But, like, he just doesn't know how to do that. At least they do one thing as opposed to, like, say, Hugo in Alita, who does nothing. You know, at least these characters are serving their role. Like, no, they're very well designed for the movie they're in. Right. Yes. They just aren't designed so good that you can imagine them having their own movie, their own story. They're just for this story. That's the only place they exist. There's one other scene I want to talk about that's a nitpick scene. So it's it's the first time Jake goes into his avatar, right? They put him in his avatar, and he wakes up, and they're like they're like sh- you know testing him. They're putting like lights in his eye and stuff. And 
he just like rips off his like fucking IV and like runs out. And like it rubs me so wrong because he's a military professional, right? Like I get he's excited yeah. he has legs. It upsets right? me a lot. Yeah. It upsets me in the same way, like in Jurassic Park, where they break the fucking ride and they're like, We don't want to watch be on your ride. And it's like Hey, dude, these people fucking flew you six years to this other planet. They're putting you in an alien body. You're going to get to walk. I promise it's going to happen. How about you just fucking chill out for five minutes and let them do their fucking test? Yes, but this goes back to what I'm saying. Like, the character of Jake Sully is going to do what the movie needs him to do. And it's more exciting if he's, you know, stoked about being able to walk and he shows you what a, like rebel he is and he's gonna get out of the hospital before he's done what he's supposed to do so he can run again and it's about the emotional impact of it no i get it it just rubs me the wrong way apparently there was a payoff to that where he like broke down and cried afterwards because he was so emotionally moved by having legs back which might have justified that whole thing but you're right like even the character is very annoying like that when you know netiri is also saying like Put out the fire. Don't do this. Don't step on that bush. And he, all he does is like swat at the stupid thing that's like saving him in the first place. And I'm like, this guy sucks. And like, <laughs> it really does bug me that he just can't follow like simple commands and being like, stop. Like, you fucking idiot. And yeah, we're supposed to like this guy. I like the way she says, you are like a baby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say that to a lot of people in my life. I'm like, you like a baby. <laughs> we all agree that the final sequence like the big the big battle is fucking dope it's awesome i do agree that the big battle is dope i do get a little worn down by it like it is awesome but it's so much awesome that it kind of becomes overwhelming i know you're not going to agree with this rodney because you like love man of steel like man of steel is kind of in my opinion the worst example of this where you have a climax which is giving you what you want but it's giving you too much of what you want and you're kind of starting to feel a little sick by the end of it like i can only watch superman punching some other superman so many times before i'm fucking bored of it this is way better than that i'm not saying this is that bad but it it starts to approach it a little bit like i start to lose track of like what characters are doing what what guys are flying at what there are moments that are really impactful that that continuously happen it's really good. I do really like it, but it does approach sort of overwhelming moments for me. We are going to just hard disagree here. That That's the way I like my action scenes. I understand. I want to be overwhelmed. I want it to go on so long. I actually want to have the thought that goes, I can't believe it's still going. Just like your wife? <laughs> I feel like you messed up the joke. It would be unlike your wife. <laughs> oh, unlike your wife. Sorry. <laughs> But it changes enough because, like, you know, after the ground battle, it goes down to just one-on-one, and then she's riding the yes. thing. And so I right. feel like it, I, it approaches that, but, like, there's enough going on. And enough people die. There's consequences so that, you, you know. You mentioned this part earlier, but the part where, like, you know, I'm sure the guy has a name. But, like, asshole boyfriend jumps onto the cargo plane, and he's just, like, grabbing soldiers and throwing them out. That's fucking awesome. No, I love that part. The little moments that happen that are sort of focused on, 
I like. It's just when you get into like the thick of just spaceships blowing up. Like, you know, I'm not even a fan of the ending of Star Wars, like the Death Star trench run. It's what needs to happen in that movie. And I wouldn't change it, but that's not my favorite part. Like, I'm way more about like the one on one stuff, the battles, the lightsaber fights. I love it when Jake and um, Korich are fighting and he's in the mech and all of that. And then Natiri joins in. I actually really really like the way that all plays out. Although I do think that Jake is a fucking idiot for not immediately recognizing that his body is in that fucking truck and he'd better yeah. like get this guy away from it. It's also really convenient that that's right where that's they exactly happen to where land. They land. <laughs> <laughs> like in the whole world of Pandora, they just happen to both land right next to his like trailer where he's like his real body body is i love when he gets knocked out of the thing and he's grabbing for the oxygen mask and he can't reach it and then natiri brings it to him i love that she gets the kill shot with the arrows how are they gonna like work through that in the sequel like how the fuck does steven lang survive they better have a damn fucking good explanation i'm sure his dna is stored somewhere and they're like let's cook up a freaking navi dna and so it's not the same guy but it's just like We've got this killer DNA of this badass. Let's 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 make You're a probably right an yes. evil Navi. And then let me just say that also that the uh, when Home Tree gets taken down, it is when seeing it in IMAX in the theater was pretty gut wrenching. It's one of those you know scenes that's hard to watch because it's so powerful for me. I don't know if it's just like you know conjuring up September 11th vibes or whatever, but like. That's rough, man. Like when that when that tree comes down and you can tell like all the Navi are freaking out and you're just like that hurts. And yeah, I think that's it's really good filmmaking. That's you know to be that powerful. It's like it's unexpected in this movie for me. It is a strange moment of because like the whole movie kind of feels like it doesn't have a lot of emotion, you know, until you. But that scene, yeah, it's really powerful. I remember being in the theater, being like, wow, like I feel. I just feel bad for these people. Like that's that's yeah. like I feel like fuck you people. Like you're like you yeah. they, they don't deserve this, you know, which is what they want you to feel, but like it's a very powerful and well done sequence. It really is. Yeah, I wish the whole movie could have that sort of impact. You know what I mean? I completely agree. Sebastian hates trees. He probably loves that. No, scene. it's an awesome scene, and I totally agree with you. Like the impact, uh, like the result of what happens is super right. impactful and everything. And like especially again. Zoe Saldana's acting when she finds her father is fucking amazing. I just wish the whole movie had that level of like intensity. You know what I mean? Like I, and it doesn't, the rest of it feels kind of like a cartoon. And then you have this like super meaningful, you know, impactful nine 11 evoking moment. Yeah. My only criticism of it is there's not more of that in the movie. Apparently the new one's going to have some tears. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to, right? Zoe Saldana watched it and cried, but who knows? We'll see. Can we ask each other, do we think Avatar Way of Water will be on Triumph or Trauma? Oh, Triumph. It's not even a question. Triumph all the way. Yeah, it's going to make a lot of money. I think it won't make Avatar money, but it'll make it'll oh, reach a yeah. billion dollars. Maybe 1.5. It won't get to like 2 billion. It's not going to be a phenomenon the way Avatar was. How many sequels will they make? I think they'll make one more. And then it'll be over? Or do you think he'll hand the reins over? I think he'll hand the reins over and then it'll never get made. And then he'll move on. I think he's ready to move on. If you read the re- the interviews that he's giving now, 
you can tell like he's yeah. like I don't know if this is gonna do well. Is he ready to move on, or is he worried that it's gonna tank and then he... maybe he's trying to save face or something? That's what I'm saying. Part three is already in the can, right? So that's definitely gonna come out. That's coming, right? Right. He even said if this doesn't do that well or if it's disappointing, we'll finish part three and then we'll put that out and that'll be it, right? You know, and I think that's the smart thing to do, honestly. Like, if it is disappointing, if it's amazing and everybody loves it and it's an even bigger hit than Avatar, then go ahead. It needs to be, like, a phenomenon. Yeah, I don't think it can be because the thing that made Avatar the phenomenon was how new it was, right? The the, right. the world of Pandora, the blue Navi and all that. 3D. And you're just going to get more of that. Like, no one is going to be blown away by the Navi this time because you're like, I've been watching these people for 13 years, right? So, like... The actual, like, story, the writing, and the action would have to be so good that that is what people talk about. Well, that's why I'm disappointed with you, Rodney, that you weren't interested in the underwater stuff. Because I feel like that's sort of his ace in the hole is that, like, he's done motion capture underwater. And to me, it felt like, oh, I'm, I'm sort of underwater. And it's that same sort of thing with gravity where you're like... Ooh, in 3D, this really does like start to like hypnotize my brain, and I'm just like I'm floating in this water. But you were like, nah, fuck that, get over water. I wonder if everyone will feel the same way. It looks impressive. I don't mean to put that. I mean, obviously, like it looked gorgeous. Like it, it you know, it's just that like if you told me the new Avatar movie is gonna be like them walking through the woods and going into the water, and it's basically like a tour of the the weird plant life and the weird animal life and the fishes. That's not like the same with part one. Like right, I'm not one, action. Yeah. I'm not one of those people who sat there and said, "Oh wow, those floating awa seeds are amazing, right?" Or look how pretty the bioluminescent planet is. No, I was like, when are they going to fucking get in those mech suits? When's the mech army coming, right? <laughs> When's the mech <laughs> army in there to trample all these flowers? I'm a man of simple desires i just want hour-long action sequences that tire sebastian it's over three hours so i think they'll manage to get in those action sequences it's going to be a lot of stuff it's going to be all of the underwater like goggling and looking at stuff it's going to be, a, it's lot gonna be a lot about family it's going to be family up your butthole <laughs> yeah then there's going to be a lot of action and a lot of it's going to be on water. Yeah. It's going to be people flying things on water, over water. Water is going to be involved. They're going to fight underwater, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It's going to all happen underwater. <laughs> Sebastian, what are your feelings with water? I know you love water world. I like are you, it. Are you, I like it a lot. Are you, you're pumped for this? Like, oh, no. This is definitely the selling point for me. I'm like, let's okay. bring it to the water. Wait, really? Fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, what more cool. do you want it? Like, how much more can they run around the jungle and stuff? Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. They got to take it somewhere new. They did that already. I want to see a new environment. Yeah, on water and underwater. So, yeah. No, Very the cool. water. I'm all about the water, man. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just don't. It's just, it's just too much. But, like, it's going to be dope. I, I, I want it to be like Titanic. You can take an hour and a half. We'll do family stuff. That was on water. You liked that. Most of it's not under the water, though. But <laughs> it's not that I have a problem with water. There's just... Sounds like you do. Can, can, 
we not just agree that like the man has a bit of an obsession? It's literally called the way of water. I want part three to take place on a desert planet. Okay. Yeah. Where? What is he going to even do? What's the environment going to be for part three? Nobody wants to see Navi in the desert. Ugh, that sounds awful. It's going to be the molten lava underneath in the, under the you know in the plate tectonics like yeah. deep deep. deep. No, it's just going to be more water. <laughs> or space battles. If he does space battles, I'll... Oh, that, like, that would be yeah. fucking awesome. But I don't see how he can't. Like, I guess they could, like, hijack you ships. You don't see how they can. They showed spaceships in, in Avatar. What I mean is the Na'vi don't have spaceships, so... If they Fast and Furious can do it, fucking Avatar <laughs> can do it. Valid. I understand. They could... There could be, like, a third... There could be two different human factions that have arrived at Pandora, and they're having space battles. Like... I guess that's what I'm saying. I want more space shit, less water shit. I think you're going to be a little disappointed, Rodney, is what I think. Because I don't think you're going to get the action testosterone extravaganza. Like, he literally just had an uh, an article where he was like, testosterone is poison. Did you see that article? No. Which is exactly what you want. And so he's like... <laughs> It's going to be a lot of spirituality. It's going to be a yeah. lot of family. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of water. Yeah. My expectations are already set at like, I, like I know what I'm getting. So I'm, I'm just hoping it goes above that. My wife and I saw something recently and the, the Way of Water trailer played. And I leaned over to her and I said, you know, I wish we lived in the timeline where James Cameron went all in on Terminator instead, right? Yeah, I like, imagine. I just wish he had been like, I'm going to make five Terminator films. I'm directing them all. Like, I just wish it wasn't the Avatar films, but this is what I'm getting. So I'm going tr to try to get excited. I'm glad that it's the Avatar films. I just wish they were better. Yeah. I like the world. I just don't like the characters or the story that much. Well, you're going to get a bunch of new characters. So maybe, maybe there'll be a, a good new one. All right, guys, this has been a great, wild conversation about Avatar. I'm glad we had it out. Finally had it out, yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you to all of our patrons. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. And uh, yeah, like, let us know what movies you would like to get covered on uh, Tentpole Triumph or Tentpole Trauma. If you're a patron, you can give us suggestions and we will listen to them. Chris, thank you so much for the conversation. AOS heard you! Rodney, thank you. I'm going to go have animal tentacle sex in my blue avatar <laughs> and then eat some apple pie while jumping out of a plane shooting arrows yeah. at a conveniently placed body. Did I, did I do it right? <laughs> I see you, my friend. <laughs> I see you. That about does it this month for Tentpole Triumph. We can't thank you enough for your patronage and hope that you have enjoyed this extra podcast as a show of our appreciation. And if you haven't, let us know by sending us an email at tentpoletrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to go the extra mile and give us a five-star review on iTunes, presuming you haven't already, we'd greatly appreciate it. Want to hear a blockbuster you love covered on Tentpole Triumph? Send us an email at Tentpole Trauma or hit us up on social media and give us your suggestion. Well, that's all for now, beloved patrons. We'll see you back here next month. <laughs>